0: You're listening to episode 82 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. Many teachers work with small groups of students, and especially if you're in elementary setting, making a schedule for those small groups can be one of the most challenging tasks of your entire school year. For today's episode, I have invited back my dear friend, Kristen Vibas, to chat about just that, the peculiarities of scheduling and grouping English learner students in elementary grades. Kristen Vibas is a K-6 elementary ESOL teacher living in Northern Virginia. She's been teaching multilingual learners since 2005 in one of the country's largest school districts. She enjoys each grade level, but is particularly fond of working with upper elementary newcomers. Kristen also loves creating educational resources that support English language development. She opened her TPT store called Kristen Vibas in 2012, and shortly afterwards started a blog called A Walk in the Chalk. You can find Kristen on Instagram sharing glimpses into her ELD classroom, along with tips and strategies to support multilingual students. And today Today we chat about all things scheduling, instruction, collaboration, and so much more. So without further ado, let's get right to the episode. Hello and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hi, Kristen, and welcome back to the ESL Teaching Podcast. Hi, Yeva, and
1: thank you so much for having me back.
0: I am so happy to chat with you all the time on on Instagram, on podcasts, wherever. So, and I know that my listeners are super happy to hear fantastic teachers like yourself share their knowledge, share their sense of humor, share the realities of teaching English learners, not the theory, which is great, but the theory does not always meet the reality, doesn't it? For
1: sure.
0: Not at all. So we had Kristen on, I think it was episode 22 when we talked about reading. That was way back, uh, probably last year. So Kristen is a repeat guest and she, I watch what she does with her students and the materials that she uses. And I know that a question that has been coming up uh, lately was how scheduling small groups, teaching small groups. So we're going to get right into that. But uh, for those of you who don't know, Kristen, why don't you tell us a little bit of your backstory, how you decided to become an EL teacher?
1: Sure. Yeah, well, so it was later in life that I decided to get my teaching certification and then continued on to get my master's. Uh, So I was in my late 30s, actually, when I finally got into the classroom, and I absolutely am thrilled with that path that I decided to take. I am in Northern Virginia, and I have always been in elementary, so my uh, experience is in K through 6. And uh, yeah, so I've been here since 2005, teaching English learners, and I'm so glad to be doing it.
0: I know, you know, I don't think I've met a single teacher who said, man, I do not like English <laughs> learners. I'm thinking it's like, yes, sometimes you can say teaching a certain subject area might be hard and teaching, you know, like certain students might be hard, but somehow the population that we work with, it's no matter how hard it is, we keep going back to them,
1: you know? Yeah, they're the best. They're simply the best. Literally. So... <laughs>
0: So you mentioned you work with elementary and I am so glad because I personally work with middle and high school and a lot of my content is uh what i know my experience right so i'm always very very happy when elementary teachers come on and share uh what they are doing and today we're going to be talking about the wonderful scheduling i look at my <laughs> colleagues and i see the steam coming out of their ears trying to put all these kids together so how about let's begin what do you do at the beginning of uh, the school year uh do you service the students right away or do you uh, spend a couple weeks trying to f- figure out you know, the screening and who's who? Anyway, I'm just going to give you the floor so that you can share what is the process of scheduling.
1: OK, yeah. And scheduling is probably one of the hardest things that we do at the beginning of the year, because at least in elementary school, because there are so many moving parts to the master schedule, to classroom schedules. And we have to find our way to fit into all of that and pre- still provide targeted English language development uh, to our students. So luckily, the fir- we have like a slow start, a soft start, I like to say, because at least in my district, the first week of school, we are screening our kindergartners. And who doesn't love kindergartners. <laughs> They're so cute. Uh, so for the first week of school, we we have some time to be thinking about how are we going to schedule our students while at the same time we're screening some kindergartners. So it is a soft start and I really like that about my job because classroom teachers they just jump in deep end day one. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> so for elementary, there's different models that we provide services And so for at my school, we do almost 100% pull out services. Mm -hmm. So I am figuring out all of my small groups. And I'm primarily fifth grade. So I've got about 60, uh, maybe 50 fifth graders that I need to group. And I don't know these kids. So it's hard to group them when you don't know them. Um, So I'm using some data to guide me. However, this year, my school's trying something a little bit different. We have sub-teams. We have a primary ESOL, ESOL sub-team, so K-2 teachers who will support each other. uh, When you're maxed out in your schedule and you can't fit another group in, you have a team of teachers who you can say, hey, I've got this group and they don't fit in my schedule. Can you pick them up? Your schedule. So we've got an upper team grades three through six and a primary team K through two. So we're trying this out new this year, and so far it's working really well. And we're able to, and we're doing this because we want to maximize our services. We want to make sure that everybody gets seen. Because let me tell you, staffing, they do not give enough ESOL teachers to schools. So we are spread extremely thin. For sure. For sure. So we need to, yeah. So we need to find ways to maximize our human resources. So we have a soft, soft start, as I mentioned, and then we uh, start making our groups. And uh, since I don't know them, I have to go off of the data that I have, which is their ELP scores, their weeda access scores. Virginia is a WIDA state so we give the access assessment every year so whatever the state is that you are in you would use those at least I would uh, ELP scores and really kind of analyze the individual domain score so you can find their strengths and areas of need and I use that to help me group Mm -hmm. so because I'm 100% pull out I need to take into consideration my groupings of students. I really want to make sure that my small group have similar language needs so that I can target my ELD instruction to maximize that time that I have with them. That's really important. If I have a group of varying levels there's no way I'm going to be able to target their individual language needs
0: and I think I wanted to chime in here because I agree a hundred percent and no matter what grade level you teach this is so important um, the, I, last year I had the most difficult year. Because even though I had uh, at the high school, it's a little bit different because they have to like match the schedules with the subjects and everything. But I said, you know, like these other students should go together. These are and something fell apart. And I had the level one and the level four in the same class. Nobody was getting anything. So this year I adamantly sat down and just checked in and went in and so far knock on wood the start is smoother you have like one odd duck here or or there but' at I, least the kids the kids want to learn the kids want to learn yeah and what anybody says what I'm seeing and what you're probably seeing the kids go to school and they may complain but they want to learn when they're there right and we yes. have to, you know provide those conditions.
1: And we do the same at the end of every school year. The ESOL teachers are part of that meeting where we are grouping classrooms of students together for the next year up. And Mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that that classroom teacher has a group of English learners that she could group together in her classroom and do small uh, small group work with too. Yeah. So my ELD instruction really de- depends on that group having very similar needs. Yeah. And then you have to take into consideration the master schedule, yeah. when all of their specials are, because you can't pull kids out of their specials. I don't want to pull kids out of their math class because that's a really protected time. So once I have my groups established, then I start plugging in Um, My schedule reading and writing block is prime time to pull kids out. So once the teacher has given the focus lesson to the whole class and I don't pull my kids out during the focus lesson because we want our L's to be part of that and have um, exposure to that grade level content. So after the focus lesson, which is about 15 minutes, and then I know I can start pulling kids out. So I pulled them out of reading time, I pulled them out of writing time, and I pulled them out of science and social studies too because I can tie that content into my ELD instruction too. So it's really uh, kind of a juggling act where you're trying to figure out, okay, I've got 10 groups of kids that I need to see throughout the week and I need to make sure that I have 30 minutes with each group. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My level ones get about four to five days a week with me. My level twos get about, three to four days a week with me. My level threes get two to three days a week with me and my level ones get about one to two days with me. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of um, it's really the hardest part of the beginning yeah. of the year, but once your schedule is done, you're like, yeah, reason to celebrate. Absolutely. Absolutely. But don't celebrate too fast because no matter what, you're always going to have to tweak that schedule.
0: Yes. Cause we know the students come in, students move out. It's all, you know, Absolutely. it's all
1: a moving target all the time. It is. It has to be fluid. Everyone has to be flexible. We okay. do what's best for the kids. And it, flexibility is the number one key.
0: Absolutely. Now, okay, so I have two questions. So for example, it seems like your district has a, a, a quite a fair amount of uh, EL students. So classroom teachers, I guess the dynamics... Uh, the collaboration and the working is there um is there a particular thing that you watch out for so that there's no uh, conflict or is there some, or, or do you get a lot of pushback from from
1: classroom teachers or anything like that you mean about pulling out kids yeah, yeah. from their classroom the only time that i sometimes get Pushback is if I want to pull kids out during content time. Yeah. Because, and I understand teachers don't want their kids yeah. leaving the room when they are teaching a science lesson or a math lesson. Yeah. Uh, and that the next day is going to build upon the kids having that information. So, yeah. that collaboration is really key. And that's really hard to do when our days are jam packed. Yes. We don't always have time to sit down and co plan and collaborate with our classroom teachers. Absolutely it's really challenging so we have to find other creative ways to do that like just e- email uh, i am i do have access to my grade level teams plans so i know what they're doing each day and that's really important that is um, so helpful is really helpful to know what your team your grade level teams are doing so that one, you can support that, but also so that you're in the know, you know what your kids are gonna be learning. And um, yeah, this is a unit one, this is intro to key vocabulary and math class. I am not pulling my kids out of that. They need to hear that. So yeah, collaboration is very tricky, to be honest with you. Um, I wish we had more time to collaborate and co-plan together, but with the model of pulling out That's probably one of the hardest things, too. After making your schedule, it's finding time to collaborate with classroom teachers. I think
0: uh, so. I have a dedicated class time, and uh, I teach like a half a credit course at the high school and uh, at the middle school. And it's still hard to collaborate because I'm jumping between two schools, and Mm -hmm. by now I'm familiar with the curriculum, but there's never any time that if middle school is having a meeting about let's say like a a pod meeting right i am teaching a class at the high school if the high school has common planning time i am teaching a class at the uh, at the middle school and it's uh, so it's it's very it's a, it's a juggle it's a juggle but you know at the same time we do the
1: best we can and like we said we we keep going back for more right because we can't <laughs> We do the best we can. Yes, I can relate to that because when my fifth grade team has their common planning time, I'm supporting my upper elementary ESOL team by pulling out a third grade group and pulling out a fourth grade group and getting those kids their targeted ELD instruction, which is also really important. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Lots of challenging dynamics to our day. So what, tell
0: us a little bit about your process of teaching small groups, okay? So how, how
1: do you structure, um, what do you do? So uh, first of all, I really try to make my room a very welcoming place. I want them to, come, want to come to my room. So, you know, I do a little extra in my room, put like the Christmas lights up on the walls. I, you know, dim the lights a little bit. Things are very colorful. I want them to feel cozy in my room and I want it to be welcoming. So once I have my classroom environment and I have my groups, right now I'm going through the process at the beginning of the year to get to know my students as people. So we're doing lots of fun type get to know you activities. And then I am also getting to know them as students. So I'm doing some assessments. We did a writing prompt today. Uh, I want to see what they can do so that I can plan my targeted lessons to meet their individual needs. So that's the process that we're we're in right now. But once I have all of that information and I'm starting to plan my lessons, uh, I am a big believer in language functions. And I think that it's a great way to build academic language. Uh, Across every grade level, kindergarten through 12th grade. So that's really the meat of my my lesson planning is I plan a unit around a language function. And so the first language function of my year is going to be inquiry, Mm -hmm. because I want to teach them how to ask questions to gain information. So I plan differentiated lessons for each of my groups that will target that skill of asking questions and asking clarifying questions. Um, But then on top of that, like I have a newcomer group. We talked a little bit about having outlier groups, right? Mm -hmm. So my newcomer group is very special and they have special uh, needs uh, Mm -hmm. as far as language learning goes. So I don't quite do the same type of language functions with them. So mm-hmm. I really have to create lessons suited for them, building oral language, building foundational literacy skills in English, things like that. Yeah. Um, but then after language function units, I like to sprinkle in lots of fun stuff. Uh, my kids love to play Kahoot. So oh, yeah. I tie in Kahoot games to our language function topics and uh, really make, make the learning fun for them yeah absolutely
0: now do you um do you create your own materials or do you have something that you've used for um you know that the school has purchased for you because i know there's you know i'm thinking about me i have different grades different needs different proficiency levels uh, to unify everything into one curriculum it's kind of you know not easy right unless i have a exclusively newcomers which i know Uh, you know, building that foundational literacy and vocabulary and everything else, right? So do you uh, follow the material, you know, what kind of materials do you use? So I have some go-to
1: materials. um, And when I am planning out a unit for my students, I You know, need to differentiate, for example, their reading. So I want them to be reading and practicing the skill. So one of the resources I use, which is a paid subscription, is Reading A to Z. And I love the materials that they provide. But also another uh, is Benchmark Education has an online library, uh, which is phenomenal. And unfortunately, my county didn't renew the subscription this year. So I'm really trying to figure out a way to access that. Uh, But that's a great resource if your county can do that. Uh, And then Epic Books is a great resource, too. They have videos and and leveled books that always tie into the content that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the inquiry unit, I always use the topic of migration that ties into the science content and multiple grade levels study migration. So, Finding leveled text on the topic of migration is easy when you have places to look like epic books, reading A to Z, benchmark education, even Unite for Literacy because they have books in various other languages. uh, And my students can read the book first in their native language and then in English. So uh, having places like that that you can oh, dot readworks.org is another great place to find leveled text. And one thing that I love about ReadWorks is that their text also comes in audio. So you can make it a listening activity if you wanted to, or a reading activity. So readworks.org is another great place to find materials. But mm-hmm. no, nobody gives us any mm, curriculum. So we pretty much <laughs> created ourselves
0: yeah same, same here same yeah. here and you know like if your creative mind do like oh oh I'm gonna do this so <laughs> start creating and then you look at them like okay well we're gonna improvise a little bit and it's just right <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to add maybe like uh, what is like what do you think is like the main most important thing for teachers who have to deal with like uh, working with small groups and uh, collaborating and um, scheduling and all of that what would be like your main tip and and uh, you know message to the teachers.
1: I think my main tip would really to be spend the time at the beginning of the year to get to know your students as learners and finding out where they are in their language learning process. Because when we can target uh, lessons for them, their progress will be exponential. So even working with classroom teachers and sharing with them what our students can do, you know, sometimes... We have to look at it. Well, not sometimes. Sometimes the lens is not always um, the positive, right? Sometimes people, teachers, see students for what they can't do. And we have to shine a light on what students can do. And really knowing where they are is going to help us take them right to the next level. So helping teachers see that too. Like, look, this is what they can do. And this is where we need to take them. So let's implement some of these things, these strategies, these scaffolds that will support them to get to the next level. Because language learning is quite the process, right? They're not just going to come in and learn English this school year, but they are going to make a lot of progress if we can target their language needs.
0: Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned that because I just recorded a podcast episode about asset-based teaching and asset attitude. And the more I talk about it, the more I open up, it opens up my eyes about my own uh, way of speaking and communicating and about the the way everybody else, because we're all so stressed and so full of to-do lists that sometimes we just miss the point. So the asset-based pause and take a look, like
1: it's not all tragic. It's actually a gift. Right. Yes, yes. 100% asset-based mindset. Yes. That would be what we all need this year to look through that lens, yeah.
0: Well, Kristen, this was amazing as usual. Where can people find you and connect with you?
1: Oh, well, I would love for people to find me on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time. My uh, Instagram page is called a walk in the chalk. Uh, so Instagram is a place. Uh, my TPT store is Kristen Vibas. My Facebook page is also a walk in the chalk. Um, I think that's, that's about it. Yeah. Pinterest it too. Mm-hmm. That's how we met anyway.
0: And you know yeah. what guys, if you go follow Kristen, she always shares wisdom and fun and the, your butterflies. I see the butterflies <laughs> and your flowers and all the teaching materials. So Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, I hope that we can, you know, have another episode sometime in the future.
1: I do too, Yeva. I always really enjoy talking to you.
0: Awesome. All (laughs) right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen, on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook, SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, simplyyeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.